He, I know, he was preaching and he went down, and I felt so guilty about that. But anyway, so he was okay, Debbie's okay, things are good. But uh, that just came to mind, so I had to share it. I thank you guys for being here this week, especially those that were here last week. You guys are just, you know, yeah, exactly, exactly. So you guys, you knew I was going to be here and you still came back, so that's wonderful. We are in a uh, story in the Bible of what they consider the woman at the well. And as we go into this week, we're going to be talking about disciples meeting Jesus at the same well, coming back to him, and the woman leaving the well. Um, There's much more to this story than even I was anticipating when I first, Eric asked me what I was preaching on. I'm like, man, the evangelism, the woman in the well, that's going to be really great. And so then the first week, everything changed, and yesterday or last week's message came out, and then this week I'm looking at it, and it's totally different vision from what I was thinking, um, but it really is a wonderful passage. It really is a great story to hear, but more importantly, it's God's word for you. So again, as I, I stressed last week, you guys, there's a point where we turn and quit listening to a story and place ourselves inside God's word because he is inside you and he is teaching us this. God did not want to give us literature to read so that when we were bored, we had a book. Okay, God wants us to read his living word, be filled with it and know him greatly. So let me start with prayer. Dear Father in heaven, I thank you for this opportunity, Lord. Lord, you know everything about me. You know my thoughts, you know my past, you know my future, just as you described to the woman at the well, Lord. And as I come standing here feeling completely incompetent to share your word, I know, Lord, that you are within me and that you will take my words and use them, Lord. Even if I spoke a word, the person receiving it, Lord, can receive something differently from you. And Lord, it is all you. It is your Holy Spirit within me, within the people receiving this word. And Lord, I thank you for that. With that, I have great trust. I can stand here. And Lord, the only truth I have is your word and what you've done for my life. And I thank you for allowing me to share that. I thank you for those that are here this morning. And I pray for those that aren't, Lord. I pray that uh, churches are full of people hearing your word. And even at home, Lord, I pray that you are reaching everybody and that they're responding, Lord, because we know you are there. It's a matter of us turning from you or turning towards you. Thank you for this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So if you're in your Bibles, um, here's a test. Who remembers what page that was last week? What? You guys weren't listening? Uh, the blue Bible in front of you. Maybe somebody can pick out 940-something, 8-something. What? 985. I had a 9 in there. Yes. Yeah, my memory is sharp. So if you don't have a Bible, there's blue Bibles in front of you, 985. We're in John chapter 4, and we are going to be speaking of verses 27 through 45. So last week on the bulletin, I asked, are you thirsty? Because this is a woman at a well. We talked about the water that she was going to get. We talked about the water that Jesus asked her for and never got, and we were talking about the living water that Jesus has for you and I. This week, I listed the title as, Are You Eating Right? 
because we're going to go into the physical aspects of what the disciples thought that Jesus needed. And how often do we look and think, well, Jesus needs my help. I've got to do this for him. So the disciples will be coming back and they'll be talking to Jesus and they'll be looking at all the physical aspects of what Jesus needs. And we know from last week that Jesus is not there for the physical drink of the water, but for the spiritual filling of the living water he offers. So let me just start and read this, please. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, his disciples were urging him saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages, gathering fruit for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you have said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. After two days, he departed for Galilee, for Jesus himself had testified that the prophet has no honor in his hometown. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast, for they too had gone to the feast. As we talked last week, Jesus was on a journey, and he was going through Samaria. He was weary and tired as a human man would be, and he stopped, and he stopped at the well, and a woman came at noontime to draw water. We discussed how possibly that was not the right time to draw the water, and that since the woman was alone, she was probably an outcast from her own town. We talked about the fact that she wasn't there in the morning or evening, which would be a general time for they, them drawing the water in the coolness of the days. And yet, she had to have a drink. There was a thirst that she had to have. And so she came to the well, avoiding all the people, coming at an hour where no one would be there, and presenting herself. We talked about the coincidences and the big surprise. Jesus happened to be sitting there. Jesus knew exactly what he was doing and why he had to be there and when. And he talked with this woman in private. His disciples were with him on the journey, but they went forward to get food for Jesus. Again, showing the manhood of Jesus. So, just then, his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek, or why are you talking with her? So, 
It doesn't say, but you can imagine there's some grumbling, some looks. The disciples are coming back, and this is a woman. Okay, that's wrong. This is a Samaritan. That's way wrong for the Jew. And he's talking with her. He's, he's being nice. He's chatting with her and sharing. Oh man, what on earth is he doing? But they know enough of Jesus not to confront him. Because what Jesus does is right. If we remember that, our lives will change a lot. What Jesus does, what Jesus says, is right, regardless of what the world is saying. So they come up to him, and the woman looks around. She's had this wonderful conversation with Christ. Jesus started it with, give me a drink. She continued with, why do you ask me? Who are you? Do you know I'm a Samaritan woman? There's no way you should be asking me for a drink. And he shares with her about living water and the things that we talked about last week. But that nice one-on-one -on -one conversation, the intimacy of talking to Jesus and the knowledge that she was filling her body with soon got interrupted. The disciples came back. Okay, these are friends of Jesus. I should continue my conversation because this is really good. I'm really wondering who this person is. But instead, it changes everything. In fact, it stops the conversation. Other people coming in between her and Jesus, she chooses to stop talking to Jesus. There's others present. Wow, what are they thinking? What are they thinking about me? I wonder how this changes Jesus. Oh my goodness. The fact is that, guys, that's us today. I can take a friend from here and, hey, let's talk about Jesus. We can roll and roll and roll and somebody will walk up with us and go, uh, how about those Cubs? Good game today, wasn't it? And it'll change everything there except for Jesus. Jesus is still there going, guys, weren't, weren't we just talking? This was rolling really well. But others had such an effect on her that she didn't even get the water jar. It says that she left her water jar and went away into town. So, as those things are happening, think about yourselves and how often you'll change conversation. How often you'll step away from communion with Jesus Christ and accept the worldly things that are happening around you. It's more than we want. So she walks away, and guess where she's going? She's going into town. We've already known that She's probably an outcast. We know that she's had five husbands, and the one she's with now is not her husband. We know that nobody was going to the well with her to say, hey, come on, let's go to the well, I'll help you. She went at a time where she was avoiding people. So now she has this revelation. She has this fantastic revelation from Jesus himself that he is the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And yet, by the disciples appearing, she decides to leave and go to the people of her town that have shut her out, that don't really love her, that don't care for her, that allow her to exist, and that's pretty much it. That's where she chose to go. So she says to the people, come, see a man who told me all I ever did. Can this be the Christ? 
You're standing with Christ. He says he's Christ. Wait, let me fact check this and ask these guys. Whew. Guilty. Guilty as charged. Listening to people over Christ. How foolish I've been. So she goes in there, and here's her great evangelism. This is her big, powerful moment. This is what she's got. He told me everything I've ever done. She doesn't go, this is the man that will save you. This is the man that takes your sins away. Belief in him is the only way to heaven. Her great evangelism is truth. Hey, I met with Jesus. He knows me. He knows everything I am. He knows everything I've ever done. Can this be our Messiah? I would love to say that it continues and she accepts Christ and it's very clear and visual. Assumption only. Okay? It says that she's asking, can this be the Christ? And they all look and here's this person in town that isn't a big public fee, uh, figure. It's not the pastor's wife. It's not anybody that has any qualities or anything in town. This is an outcast. And she goes and she says, can this be the Christ? And the people that receive this word are quite interested. Would you just believe a person for no apparent reason that came and said, hey, there's a guy in the woods who might be the Christ. Okay, let's go. No, you wouldn't. Would you believe somebody that you didn't trust or care for and knew lived a crazy life that they told you where Christ was? No way, you're not a good enough person. You can't lead me. Christ was working in their hearts. Everything and every desire, the thirst the woman had at the well for living water is from Christ. The hunger that we have for God is from Christ. The Galileans that she was talking to had that thirst, had that hunger. It was from Christ. He sent that to them and he sent her to them. And she mentions the Christ. They get up, they go to see him. We're going to go check this out. This is crazy. The evangelism was, this is my life. He told me about it. Let's go. Let's see if this is the Messiah. So they went out of town and were coming to him. Now we jump back to the disciples. The disciples that showed up, they'd gone to town and they'd gone for food. And they said, meanwhile, the disciples were urging him saying, Rabbi, eat. So you've been on a journey with Christ and he's walking beside you and he's right there and he's human and you're like, hey, we don't have food. We'll go get some, Christ. You stay here and rest. We're going to get you food because we know what you need. We know that you need this nourishment. So they go and get the food because, to be honest with you, they're hungry. Christ is standing right next to them just like a man. He's got to be hungry. We ate at the same time as we traveled. He's walking with us. We know what he needs. We'll go get it. So they go in 
And they say, Rabbi, eat. Jesus replies to them and says, I have food to eat that you do not know about. Wow. The disciples should sit down and go, please tell us, Lord, what's going on? And what they do is they turn to each other and go, did he get food from somewhere else? Is Taco Bell open? Did he go to Duncan? Did he get something that we didn't bring? And they're asking because their minds and their opinions are on the physical needs that they see and that they feel. Jesus tells them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. And Jesus again says to them, you don't understand. You're still wondering where I got this extra food that I was hiding or somebody brought to me. And he doesn't condemn them. He doesn't say, you fools, or don't you understand, or come on, people. He takes them where they're at. And he said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. My nutrition, the things I need to be filled with, are from God above. And I am here to do what he desires. It's not about what Christ wants. And Christ being 100% man and 100% God, beyond my mind. But he is there, not for physical needs, but to fulfill the will of God. You guys, if, if we were perfect people and we could outweigh ourselves on the scale and clear things up, Christ never would have had to come. But we can't do that. We need Christ. And so he says, I'm here to do uh, who sent me, the will of whom who sent me. And he says, I need to accomplish his work. And then he points out, do you not say there are four months and the harvest comes? You guys, we're in farmland. We're watching the corn crops. We're like, yeah, fall's coming. Then they're going to harvest everything. It's going to be so cool. You know, and, and we look and we're like, hope there's rain. There was last night. Thank you, Lord. And we go about that and we can judge, again, physical things. Physical amounts. We know that a combine out in the field right now is a joke. It's useless. We have to wait to the harvest. And so Jesus says, I'm come to accomplish his work, which is to harvest those who love him, to gather in, to bring forth, to draw those that he loves and those that love him together. And so he says to them, he says, look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. He doesn't point to the corn crop. He doesn't point to the beans. He doesn't point to the wheat. He says, lift up your eyes, open them, see what God desires for you to see. Those around you that are seeking him, that God has sent out and filled him with the spirit to draw them to him. Look around. You know, in, in our aspect, I don't know if you guys have ever done this, and, and I'm not going to say do it, as scary as can be. I've prayed for God to show me somebody to speak to him about on a specific day. Lord, lead me to somebody that I can talk to you about, or talk about you to. Guess what? Every time I've asked that, he's fulfilled that. And yet he says, Ron, open your eyes. Because I'm doing that every day. Every position that is coming in. You walk by people and I'm giving you the harvest. They're right there. Open your eyes. I don't. 
take the glasses and must be smudged. I don't look, and then on those special days, I'm like, oh God, I'm feeling good. Share somebody that, or give me somebody that I can share with. And he does. And sometimes I screw up because that person comes face to face with me, and I'm like, you know, and they walk away, and you're going, I am so not worthy. I got nothing. Man, I blew that. God, you lost one because of me. God just looks up there and smiles, and he says, it wasn't for them. It was for you. Your pride was getting a little high. I need to bring you down just a notch so you remember who's doing this. It's God, not me. And he's like, tomorrow's another day. Sometimes it's later that afternoon's another day. Open your eyes. See the harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. Christ has sown the seed in those around you. We're not a separate entity that goes, okay, we're harvesters, that's it. We have inside us the seed that God has placed. He has sown His seed into our hearts, into our spirit, and we long for Him and we desire to grow for Him. We should never place ourselves as, okay, there's a crop out there. I'm definitely the farmer. I'm definitely the chief guy, okay? Because we're that plant out in the same field. God's just giving us an opportunity to rejoice and to harvest alongside what he's already planted. So remember, it's a gift. It's a joy to share him. And it says, so the sower and reaper may rejoice together. You know, if the fields came to uh, fullness, the corn was dry, the beans were ready to harvest, and I just rented a combine and went out in the field and started taking things, whew, I'd be in some serious trouble. There wouldn't be a bunch of farmers going, good on you. Oh, yeah, you got a whole crop. Thanks. I, I grew that all year. I paid for it. I planted it. I did everything for it. And oh, I'm so glad you get to take it. You guys, I don't know if you've ever noticed, but God and the world are two different things. The way God reacts is wonderful. The way the world reacts is selfishness. God's a giver. And... So as he says, I've sown all this, I've given it, and you know what? It's already grown, everything's perfect. All you have to do is go tell them about me. And when you do, he rejoices. When one sinner comes to him, angels are singing, you guys. Now, as I said earlier, does it matter if we screw up? No. Remember when you screw up, it's not God punishing you. It's God giving you another chance. He's like, yeah, you know, that one you kind of blew, so what are you going to do better next time? And he comes into you and, and he goes, here's another opportunity so we can share what we have. Now, I've told you that, that I'm not a very intelligent person. This is, this is what I know, okay, only because I've read it. I, don't, I haven't been to seminary, haven't done a lot of things. I do read commentaries. I do listen to many pastors and, and different sermons and things like that. And above all, I'm darn old. So, so, so I've heard it over and over and over, okay? Age works, okay? But it's wisdom that I have and, and not intellectual knowledge. But you guys sit here and you hear me occasionally. And then God goes, okay, now 
I'm going to teach you, and Eric stands up here, or Seth will be up here. And those people have different knowledge and different ways and different things that you need to hear. And those are all good. But the truth of it is, whether you're an intellectual and reach somebody, God presents that person that needs intellectual knowledge of himself to share, or you're just somebody that loves God beyond anything you can imagine, and all you can do is go, he's great, man. That's who you are. You don't need to be anybody different. Because, in fact, God created you just as you are. He has given you your life just as it is. And He's given you His Word. So what He asks you to do is says, He goes, take this book, the things you've learned from it, and share your life with a person. That's evangelism, you guys. When you walk out this door... This isn't a scary sermon about, oh, he's going to ask us and we're all going to have to go door to door and go, hey, do you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? No. What you're going to do is you're going to walk out that door and you're going to live your life. And if you're doing it right, you're going to show Jesus to other people. And you don't even have to say his name. You live a life of love, of caring, of appreciation, I guess I should just go love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You have those fruits of the Spirit because God has given them to you and filled you with them. That's the best evangelism there is. I wish that you guys all knew the Bible. And, you know, I'm getting to a point where I'm forgetting a lot. And when you ask me what Bible verse is that and what chapter and this and that, I'm going to go, give me a minute. I got to look it up. I got to find it. Okay. But God's love doesn't leave me to share his love and to say, you know what he did? He took this sinner and I'm not even going to tell you the bad things I've done because that's foolishness. I want to tell you the great things that God has done. And one of those great things is he's taken all those sins away and he's allowed me to be with him forever. And that forever doesn't mean hmm, when I die and I get up there and I'm raising through the clouds and meet St. Peter at the gate. Forever is now. Eric was sharing time. Man, if you know Christ, you have everlasting life. It starts now. Guys, our last breath here is our first one with Christ. There's no change. There's no difference. We're going to be with God. And that's cool. But what's better is that we are with God. He is here now. He is within you. He is available and you guys, we can't go to somebody and say, I'd like to change your life. Let me do it. Because we can't. All we can do is share with somebody and say, let me tell you about a guy that changed my life. I don't even know how he did it. I don't even know from where I was to standing here behind a pulpit preaching to you out of God's word. I don't know how that happened. It's just insanity. And yet God had me go through everything in my life so that I could stand here today and do this. He's gone through everything in your life so that you can hear this word. And then the challenge is, what are you going to do? Are you going to walk out the door and ignore it? Or are you going to walk out the door and share your life? Are you going to go against God and go out there with hatred and anger and frustration and share that with everybody? 
Or are you going to go out there with love and joy and peace and share that with everybody? A quick side note today, and I know that this is not a good thing. I looked at Facebook. (sighs) A woman that we know had a complaint, and I'm I'm not going to get into much, but something bad happened to her, and she retaliated and was bragging on the retaliation and how happy she was about it. I know this woman. It affects her testimony. It affected my thoughts of her life. And I thought, where does she really stand with Christ? And I was upset by it. But the worst thing was, scrolling through the comments. Yeah, you showed them. Yeah, good for you. Yeah, they got that. Evil for evil. And the people were rejoicing. That should never be. So when something evil happens to you, or you create evil, it's not something we share. We repent of it. We hand it to God. We don't rejoice in it. Now, if I have a personal relationship with you and you said, Ron, what did God do for you? I will sit down personally and tell you the things that I've done wrong and the things that God has changed. But really what I'd like to do is stand before you and go, this isn't the guy who was 20 years ago. This is new. This is different. This is a changed life. And the only way that happened is Jesus Christ. And when you want to get more technical or deeper, hey, I can share that. I'm not afraid of it. I screwed up. I was a big screw up. And you know what? I still screw up. And God forgives me. God loves me. God cares for me. So God allows us to enter his labor. Do we need it? Does he need us to harvest? Of course not. Not at all. Will the whole thing crash if we don't go out and evangelize? No. No. The rocks will cry out. But the joy of being able to share so that we can rejoice together, so that I can talk about Jesus and go, man, that felt so good. And to let you guys know that God is with you and God loves you and he knows everything. Good, bad, ugly. He's there. And he says, I've watched your whole life. Share it. Because now I am your priority. So that's what we share. We share God as number one. So he's been talking to the disciples, tells them all that, and then he leads into Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. The testimony, again, was, he told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he did stay for two days. Many more believed because of his word. And they said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. You guys, we are people that introduce. Ron, Jesus, Jesus, Ron. That's what we have a power to do. Jesus is already there pushing the person. Hey, how you doing? How you doing? Go meet this guy. He's doing the work. 
And he allows us to say, hey, let me tell you about Jesus. Cool. Okay, now start at the beginning. Tell me everything. Uh, all I know is that he's my Lord and Savior, and he changed my life. Enough. Cool. Thank you. But God gives us different personalities and different people. And he'll put the person that needs more depth with the person that knows more. He will lead them. He will guide them. But we can say that, and they don't go, okay, I'm saved. What we do is share Jesus so that they're drawn to him. And then Jesus changes their lives. Jesus changes their hearts. Don't feel that you failed because you can't do anything anyway. How can you fail at something you can't do? Oh, their life didn't change. Oh, it's me, it's me, it's me. Guys, if it was you, you're stepping way too far out of bounds. You're telling Jesus, hey, move over. I'm going to help you on this one. Let me sit down that throne with you. Don't ever do that. Don't ever think that you're the one that's doing all this. We're the ones that are walking with God and love Him and just say, that's all I got. The only reason there's a light in me is because it's Jesus. And the only reason it shines is because it's Jesus. And I'm trying to get out of its way. And that's what we do. So we share that. And it's wonderful that, that these people came and they say it's no longer because of what you said. Not that that was wrong, but that was just a start. That was the seed. They came to Jesus and he changed their lives. They announced that he is indeed the savior of the world. Guess what? If they didn't announce that, he's still the savior of the world. If you don't share that, he's still the savior of the world. If you get confused and screw things up, he's still the savior of the world. Your testimony does not change Jesus, but it does show people where to go to meet Jesus. So after two days, he departed for Galilee, for Jesus himself had testified that prophet has no honor in his hometown. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, having seen that all he had done in Jerusalem at the feast, for they too had gone to the feast. Again, the Galileans are starting to see Jesus. They've seen physical things that he's done. And you pray that their hearts are changed and they open themselves up to the Lord. As we come through, again, you guys, this is the importance of God's word. Where are you in here? Are you the disciples that are coming back and trying to feed Jesus because he's hungry and you think you got that and you're going to help him? You know, sometimes motivation, if, if that's where you're at, and you think, oh, I got to help him, I got to help him. Jesus doesn't condemn them. When you approach Jesus incorrectly, he's not yelling at you. He's not saying, you fool. What he's saying is, guys, the food doesn't matter. Okay, thanks for the thought, but the food that I am looking for and the food that I have is greater than you can imagine. Or are you the woman? Are you the woman at the well that has stood beside Jesus, listened to him and felt something that is so unbelievable in your heart and a change in your life, and nothing could affect it unless somebody steps up next to you. And then everything that you were just thinking goes down the drain, and you leave. 
Or are you the woman that still continues on? Because something is so strange and so wonderful that you have to share it. I don't know exactly what it is, and I don't know how to share it, but I'm going to because it's right. I think I'm pretty much in that end of it. I love the Lord. I have knowledge and information about Him that He's given me. But the truth is, there's so much more beyond my understanding that I can't even fathom it. And it comes down to the simplicity of, I don't know why you do, but you love me and I'm going with it. I'll take that and I'll share that. You guys, evangelism is a hugely important thing. And it's been wiped out by the world. Because we think we have to go door to door. We think we have to grab that person. We think that it's all about the special knowledge that we have and we're going to teach you. The truth is, the truth. God's Word. This is the truth. And you have a life. And Jesus asks us to share it with others because He loves us and He loves them as well. So we introduce those that we know and those that we don't to the Savior that has given us all things. God is good. We are on a path together. It leads us to God. You guys, there's not all these paths that go to God and will all open and do separate doors. There's one door, there's one lane, that's a narrow lane. We all go here, but God reaches down into all of our lives and draws us to Him. So, don't be afraid to share Christ. Don't be afraid to be ignorant of different things. Because the person that God has sent you, God knows exactly what he needs or she needs. And then again, sometimes it was for you. And God knows what you need. So go about, live your life. Live the life that Christ has given you. I pray and I hope that it is full of joy because God is offering that to you every morning you wake up. When you take that breath, God's going, let's do this again. And we get to. It is a gift. God is a gift. And we thank Him. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank You for this day. I thank You, Lord, for Your Word. And I thank You for Your grace and mercy. God, You know how often I screw up and how often... Things aren't the way that they should be. And yet, it is your will, Lord, that we lead this life. Our mistakes we learn from, we adapt to, we see. Lord, all the changes that come are from you. We thank you for your abundance, Lord, of love, of grace, of mercy. Not paying us with things that we deserve in punishment or condemnation the Lord giving us even more than we deserve through salvation and your love upon us continually. Father in heaven, we pray that, Lord, we can receive your word and keep it. Lord, forgive me for allowing the world to fill my body more than you. Lord, throughout the day, if I was in your word more than I am in the world, I know that would be good. Please guide me because I know that you are with me every moment, Lord. And if there's somebody turning something, it is me from you.
You are always with us, and I thank you, and I love you. Please, Lord, be with all the churches that are speaking your name throughout this nation and throughout the world. Please be with us this week, Lord, and let us know as we approach somebody, or if we say hi and a nod of the head, Lord, let us know if that person needs to see you. We thank you, Lord, for your presence in our life. We thank you for the ability to gather as a church, to love you, and to hear your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.